0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Chapter 19, so, I mean, we're coming toward the finish line of the 22nd chapter. And in the 18th chapter, we read about really the seventeenth and eighteenth chapters of Revelation. We read about the fall of Babylon, and this would be include the religious uh, apostate church, all the false religion of the world, including the political worldly system, the economic worldly system, all everything that opposes to opposes God. You remember that beast that rose up that the harlot was sitting on had blasphemous names all over it. I mean, this worldly system has been in opposition to God since Satan invaded it and took over. So Babylon has just been completely annihilated here by the judgments of God. And we come into chapter 19, and here's what it says. After these things I heard, and of course John writing here, after these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, Alleluia, or sometimes we say hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. Now, somebody say, Well, yeah, why why are the judgments so hard? This harlot, this system. All these people that have been involved in this system over the millennia have deceived people into not serving God, not accepting the love of God, the salvation of God. And I mean, there are countless, millions, billions, let's just be honest, billions of people, billions of people who will be eternally lost because of this wickedness. And so God's judgment against these people and this system is harsh as appropriate. And so there is this great praise to God that finally God has brought this to an end. He has judged the wickedness of this world and including the the false religion, the religiosity that has uh, taken people away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, this huge multitude of people. Hallelujah. Because God has done this, verse 2, for true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who has corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Oh, let me tell you, this world system has been in opposition to the people of God since before Jesus came, in opposition to Israel and the chosen people of God. Verse 3, again, they said, Alleluia. So there are four Alleluias, by the way, in this passage. And I believe the only four translated Alleluia in the New Testament. So Alleluia, uh, or Hallelujah, we might say. Verse 3 Again, they said, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. So clearly, they're thanking God that he brought judgment and finality to uh, this Babylonian system and this harlotry, this world perversity and such that has taken so many down with her. Verse 4, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down, the 24 elders being Those people who were part of the church, I believe, representative of the Old Testament, uh, 12, like the 12 tribes of Israel, and the New Testament, like the 12 apostles and such. So human beings, but then the four living creatures, angelic beings, representing the angels of heaven. So they're all worshiping here. They fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, now watch this, then after that praise for God judging this Babylonian system and bringing it to an end, Then here in verse five, then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. So that would include us. A voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Verse six, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, listen to this, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. In other words, all oh, the judgments are all done. The The world system and all that opposes God here is is judged here. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Uh, and he goes on to say, let us be glad. Now watch this. Oh, this is what we've been waiting for. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Why? For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Oh, let me tell you, all of heaven. And all those who understand, who have been a part of the kingdom of God on earth, would know this is the culmination, that salvation, the ultimate salvation. It's time to celebrate the marriage of the Lamb. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Notice, yes, we are given the robe of righteousness. Yes, righteousness is a free gift by the grace of God. You cannot earn your salvation. Not one work that you do can aid or help in your salvation. Jesus bought it for us by his blood, no doubt. However, Having been purchased by the blood of Jesus and having received the free gift of righteousness, the way that we prepare ourselves to become one, to become unified. I don't mean spiritually because you become one with Christ when you're born again instantly spiritually. But to be unified with him when we all come together with him and we see him face to face we should be preparing for that. In other words, receiving the grace of God, we should be living in obedience to him, in honor of him, keeping ourselves pure. And so it says here that his wife has made herself ready. Well, she didn't save herself, no, but having been saved now through her righteous acts, She is preparing to meet him because those righteous acts are showing honor to him, are showing preparation. You know, the more you honor somebody you're going to meet with, the better you dress, right? The more you prepare yourself. If you're going to meet with somebody of great esteem, you'll, I mean, really consider how you're dressed. You'll iron and make sure you're wearing the right thing. And this is what we do. We, the church, to meet our Lord, the Savior who saved us. So, uh, it was granted to her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts, plural, not just salvation, the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, write, or he's saying to John, write this down. You need to write this down. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb the righteous the the fine the excuse me the l- fine linen of the the attire of the bride are the righteous acts of the saints plural okay then he said to me right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb some would say that this is not talking about the bride and all the saints of the Lord. But this is talking about all those who will be watching the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, okay, uh, that may be true as well. But let me tell you, the most blessed are the saints who get to, to marry the Lamb of God, who have the privilege of becoming one with this precious one, the second person of the Godhead himself, becoming part, becoming an heir of God and a joiner with Christ. There's no one more blessed than the saints here. Now, Jesus believes he's the most blessed because of the joy that he has. You know, he, he found the treasure hidden in a field, the church, and for joy over it, he went and sold all that he had, and bought the whole field, the world, that he might get the treasure, the church. However, I see it differently, and I think you would too, that we are the more blessed than Jesus, and we ought to feel more blessed than he is. And so he says, write this down. Uh, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do this. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Now, before I touch on that, I want to just close out this section about the marriage supper of the lamb. You know, in the times of Jesus, in the times that John is writing, in a Jewish feast, there are several parts to this. First of all, there is the dowry that's given. In other words, there's a dowry by the groom's parents, father, that's given for the purchase uh, price to be able to have the right for this woman to marry the son, right? So there's that. And then there is the son preparing a place and he goes and he makes sure that he has his home and has a place to take care of his wife and his future family. And then he comes and receives that wife to himself. And there's a consummation of the marriage there. But then there is the third part, and that is the celebration. There's the supper that happens. With us, we do it a little differently in our modern-day culture, at least in the West. And uh, we'll have the reception after the wedding, and then there'll be the honeymoon. But in Jewish ways, in Jewish times, they would do it differently. And I believe this clearly follows the pattern of the Jewish way of doing it. Number one, that there was a dowry, there was a price to be paid. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever might believe in him, there's the church, the bride, uh, would not perish but have everlasting life. So God the Father paid the dowry by giving the life of his own son that people who would be willing to receive that sacrifice might be saved and to come into relationship, coming to marriage with his resurrected son. So first, there was the price to be paid by the father of the groom. Second, there is the receiving to himself. So Jesus has gone away. And he said in John chapter 14, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And this happened in the rapture of the church that we read about. It was signaled by the seventh trumpet in chapter 11, and we saw the drawing, the the uh, pulling the elect together, the harvest of the elect in chapter 14. And uh, this is when the church was raptured before the wrath of God was poured out before the bowls of God, the seven bowls of judgment were poured out. And this is when he came and received us back to himself. But then now there are these judgments, the final judgments, the bowls being poured out and the world being judged and such, and then there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, oh, write this down. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. May that be every one of us. May that be every one of us. Just because you said a prayer and declared Jesus to be Lord, that does not mean that you don't now have to serve him and stay with him and follow him. Because there's so much temptation in this world to walk away and to begin to live for the flesh. And the Bible is ultra clear that those people that do not follow Jesus and serve Jesus will not be counted as his bride at the end. Okay, so let's get back to this part, verse 10. And I fell at his feet in worship, but he said to me, see that you do not do this. So John falls at the feet of this angel And begins to worship him. But the angel says, see that you do not do that. I am of your fellow servant and of your brethren. So this is is a human being who is already in heaven. And he says, I'm of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I believe that that uh, could have multiple meanings, but I want to hit on something that's very important. I've noticed that when people give a testimony of what Jesus has done in their lives, that often that testimony releases other people to receive the same thing. For example, when somebody says, the Lord delivered me out of drugs. I mean, he set me free and such. Those that are listening who are bound to drugs are hearing from God. God will set you free from drugs if you'll do it. It's a spirit of prophecy where people can be changed. And this is true with healings. God heals my body. And as they're giving the testimony of what Jesus has done for them, people are hearing from God prophetically. God will do the same for you. And we see these ripple effects that happen when we give testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives. He is saying, in fact, we often should just say, and you know what? God will do the same for you. It doesn't mean we have to say that every time, but it's not a bad thing to say it, especially as the Holy Spirit leads us so that people could keep receiving from the Lord Jesus and then giving their testimony, prophesying that he'll do the same for you because God is no respecter of persons. Okay. Verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. Now we saw the Antichrist riding on a white horse before, but remember he's the false Christ. Here's the real one now. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him Was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Oh, let me tell you, the Lord is crowned with many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Now, we know many names of the Lord, of course, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Uh, We know he's the Word of God. And we know he's the son of God. He's the son of man. We know him as many things. But there's a name that we don't know yet. And I suspect we'll find out in the process of time. But uh, he he had written on him a name that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Well, that's because he died for our sins. And his name is called the Word of God. Now, that's a name that we do know. John, this same John who wrote the Gospel of John, started that letter or that Gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so, he goes on to say in verse 14, and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Well, that's the same thing that the bride was clothed in. Well, why is that? Because we are part of the army of Jesus when he finally comes back in his second coming, having been raptured uh, to heaven, missed the wrath of God with the seven bowls, and now will be coming back with him and along with angelic forces as well. So it says here that the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and that word is an unusual word it's a long sword unlike the exact sword in Hebrews 4:12 and the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that's a different word that's a shorter combat sword this is a long sword now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords then i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven not in heaven where god sits but there are different heavens talking about the heaven around earth the sky where birds fly we know what, what heaven that is so he says, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. Now, this is not the marriage supper of the lamb. This is this is a supper for the birds. Watch this. That you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. In other words, This is the final, final, final judgment, the battle of Armageddon, the the end of these things. And I saw verse 19, and I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him. So before the clash, before the war actually takes place, this angel in the sun calls the birds and says, come on, come get ready for a feast because God is going to dominate. So it says, I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Let me just tell you, that's a bad idea. The Antichrist and all these kings and all these human armies think they're going to war and defeat, war against and defeat the Lord Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I think not. Verse 20. Then the beast was captured. There it is. And with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now that's different than Hades, which is the holding place for unbelievers. And you remember in the 16th chapter of Luke, Jesus talked about a a man named Lazarus, not the one that Jesus raised from the dead, but Lazarus and who was a, a beggar and a rich man who both died. And Lazarus found himself in Abraham's bosom across a gulf in the heart of the earth from a place called hades where the rich man found himself in flames and torment now that was like a holding place and that's still where unbelievers are today no human being has yet been cast into the lake of fire and so here it says that the the antichrist the beast and the false prophet were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh so all these people these armies coming against Jesus were killed in the the battle or the war of armageddon there in israel and all these birds are feasting on their flesh this is this is a gruesome sight but let me tell you this is all oh, this is all the ultimate outcome of sin and rebellion against God. And this is God bringing judgment. He promised he would. And let me tell you, it is indeed coming. But glory to God, we're not going to be of those people because we're going to stay pure. We're going to stay right. We're going to resist temptation. We're going to resist sin. We're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. And we're not going to be deceived by the devil, by the Antichrist or any of these, the deception in the world, trying to lure us away from God and his precious word. And this is why we're reading the word every day, because we want to stay on the right track and we want to listen to what God's word says. All right, here we go. We've got three chapters left of this amazing book, the book of Revelation. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.